Hey, Brittany. Hey, Megan. Welcome to Beyond Weird Paranormal Podcast. So today we're going to talk about some upcoming things we are about to do. We're going to talk about a sort of weird project that we stumbled into. We're going to talk about flying saucers. Now we can restore to the living those who have passed into the realm of death. Yeah, let's talk about Estes, because that's probably one of our favorite methods to use. Basically, the Estes method is where you have a, a spirit box which is essentially a radio with a function that allows you to rapidly uh, sweep through the radio frequency band. Yeah, if you ever used a a radio with a seek button, it's like the seek button, only it never stops. Right, or with like the dial to go from station to station, if you're just like turning that dial nonstop. Yeah. So when it's sweeping through radio stations, you are picking up little bits of audio when you hit each station, and then there's white noise in between. Um, So it basically just sounds like this horrendous cacophony of noise when you're listening to it. Um, But the theory is that spirits can manipulate or utilize Not only the white noise, but the bits of audio that are coming through with each radio station. And you'll hear words. Or basically, they can respond in real time to questions that you're asking. So it's kind of similar to an EVP session, uh, except you are hearing responses in real time versus having to go back and listen on your recorder afterwards right but do you want to play some audio from the spirit box so people can hear what the hell this sounds like yeah um so we actually are able to plug our spirit box directly into our podcast mixer so we can give you a sample of what this sounds like so so this is just basically an am radio going through the full band of AM radio stations. Um, You can, with the spirit box, you can speed it up or you can slow it down. The slower you get, the more complete sentences you get. And that a lot of that is, you know, it's legitimate radio stations. Right. So I like to do it on the fastest because if you hear three or four words together that make sense in context, it seems less likely that they're just going to be coming from one radio station. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to mute this because it's, it's quite disorienting after a while. Yeah. Yeah. So typically you would listen to this in a room just like through speakers. Uh, and these spirit boxes have a built-in speaker or you can plug them into an external speaker. And so you're just listening to it in whatever room or location you're at with your other team of ghost hunters 
asking questions out loud, like you would do in an EVP session. And everybody is listening and trying to pick out responses. Um, The big obvious issue with this is that you are constantly dealing with confirmation bias. Right. You hear what you want to hear. Right. And especially with yes or no questions, anything that comes through there that sounds like, oh, or (laughs) it is going to be no and yes. So it's hard to... It's hard to even legitimize the use of this tool with right with that possibility outstanding. Right. Yeah. And it it really makes me think of even in classic EVP sessions when you're listening back for responses so many EVPs that you hear are just these whispery breathy like you cannot tell what the hell is being said. And whenever I would watch like uh, Ghost Hunters or Ghost (laughs) Adventures, you know, as a a wee naive fledgling ghost hunter, you know, they would play the audio from their their EVPs and they would always uh, put a caption for what they thought was being said. And of course... As soon as you read that caption and listen to the audio, that's the only thing you're going to be able to hear. So I would always, I got in the habit of, you know, when they would be like, and now we're going to play the audio from the recorder at this (laughs) moment. And yeah, I would look away from the screen so that I wouldn't have that influence of the caption and try and decipher what I was hearing for myself. And 99.9% of the time, you know, what I thought I was hearing, if I could make out anything at all, was not even close to what the caption said. So it's incredibly easy, ridiculously easy to bias what you are hearing in this very indistinct audio. Right. And So even with the Spirit Box, which is a real-time audio sort of experience, when you're in a room with three, four, five, however many other investigators, it's very easy for someone to hear a response come across the Spirit Box and say, oh, it said, you know, my name is Henry. Right. Did you guys hear that? You all heard that? And it's like half the people are like, oh, yeah, that's what I heard. Or, I mean, I've seen it used and somebody will ask a question and then they'll hear something on the radio and then everybody in the room will say something different. Yeah. Right at that moment. Right. They'll say, oh, it said Christmas. Right. And somebody else will say, oh, it said July. Or, <laughs> oh, it said Blaze Foley. You know? <laughs> right. So, but it became a very popular technique for ghost hunters to use. And I actually did some research. The spirit box was actually developed by Gary Galka, who is the guy who invented the Melmeter. Oh, right, right. Which has been a super 
popular uh, device with ghost hunting teams for a long time. Um, and it's, you can probably explain a little better than I can. Well, probably much better than I can what a Mel meter is. Cause you had one or have one. I don't, you have a, no, you have a tri-field meter, but I think they're very similar. Uh, the Mel meter uh, reads man-made current, just like a K2 would, but it gives you a digital output, like a number right. instead of a range. Just the lights. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, Gary, Gary Galka developed this in tandem with Chris Fleming. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. right. The K2 guy. Yeah. We're saying, oh yeah, right. <laughs> because Megan, myself, used to be in the Southwest Ghost Hunters Association. Um, they were headquartered out of Socorro, New Mexico, and they had in Cloudcroft, New Mexico, every year a conference there at the the lodge that's supposed to be haunted. And Chris Fleming was an honorary member of the SGHA. The leadership worked with Chris Fleming. They SGHA is a highly scientific oriented group who they poo-pooed a lot of stuff. They poo-pooed almost everything that you see on TV. And they did not believe in psychics whatsoever. And Chris Fleming is a psychic. Mm -hmm. And he was the only psychic to ever pass their quote-unquote psychic test, which was to basically blindfold you or to put a bag over your head or something and to use things like negative ion generators and microwaves to beam things at your brain. And he was able to detect every single one. He definitely could tell, you know, I, I don't know how he's doing with the uh, advent of 5G. Maybe somebody <laughs> should check in on him. Uh, but, yeah, that's why we say, oh, Chris Fleming guy, right. I, he's the K2 guy because he was the first guy to ever sell me a K2. He, I mean, uh, I'd never heard of him before. And right. he was like, oh, well, look at this device or whatever. And then he was on an episode of Ghost Hunters. Yeah. Uh, and it was the first episode where anybody ever used a K2 and he had it. Well, so he was also on the first episode of Ghost Adventures where they ever used the spirit box. Okay. That makes so sense. So Chris Fleming just debuting. Yeah. I all wonder his what he's technical doing now. devices all the time. Yeah. On Ghost Adventures in particular. <laughs> so yeah, that device being used on ghost adventures you know this was like 2009 it immediately became like the go-to right. sort of device that every other ghost hunting team wanted um and it was great for tv because it you know it gives you instant gratification right so sort of like the ovulus yeah, yeah. right right uh, another ghost adventures uh yeah. Hot potato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was able to find an interview with Chris Fleming. And even in that interview, he says that himself and Gary Galka don't even really know how uh, the spirit box works. Because that was my main interest was like, okay, what, like, how do the people who developed this tool think that it works? And they just straight up are like, yeah, we're not really sure. <laughs> I'm like not interested in an explanation as to why it works. 
I have a cool example uh, where Lon Milo Duquette, who is an author about, uh, he writes a lot about the Kabbalah and Aleister Crowley mm-hmm. and the OTO. And he was asked what his favorite method of divination is. And he said, I like television divination. And people were like, uh, what is that? And he said, I simply flip on the television and find a channel where people are talking. Yeah. And I take their first five words and then I'll find another one where the people mm-hmm. are talking and take their words and try to make some sense of it. And I right. was immediately reminded, like when he said that, I was immediately reminded of the spirit box and how it's really kind of can be considered a a source of random divination. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't need really a, a super sciencey, sexy, yeah. you know, explanation. Right. Yeah. Right. You're right. I'm still just, I have that like thing ingrained in me to where I feel like I'm going to have to defend, you know, <laughs> our techniques right. to the naysayers and the skeptics um, at every turn. Otherwise, what we're doing and what we're experiencing isn't valid. Right. But I'm, I don't care about that anymore. Yeah. So I'm trying to break out of that habit, but it's still something that I do. I'm like, oh, I have to know exactly how this works so that I can explain it to people when they ask me. And then uh, then that means we're legitimate and we're <laughs> doing quote unquote science, right. even though we're definitely not in nobody else's either. No. Nope. Not unless you're in a lab and you're literally like parapsychologist you know yeah let's not get into the the philosophical discussion of science like how's that for you that's for another episode (laughs) soon that's for the three-parter we have to talk about it soon because i have so much in my head right now that i just need to say but yeah yeah so um spirit box has been on the scene for a couple of years right the resident investigating team at the Stanley Hotel were using it. Um, They were doing like guided investigations at the Stanley for several years. And they were actually the ones who came up with the idea, well, to take the spirit box and isolate the two components of it being, you know, asking the questions and then listening for answers. Uh, to eliminate that confirmation bias issue. Um, Those investigators were um, Connor Randall, Carl Pfeiffer, and Michelle Tate. So they they started working on developing and working out the kinks for the method, which they would name the Estes method after Estes Park, where the Stanley Hotel is located. They documented a lot of that process in a series called Spirits of the Stanley, which is free on YouTube. I highly recommend watching it. It's really good. It's like five or six part series. Yeah. But it didn't catch on super quickly with a lot of other investigating teams. Um, But if if you watch Spirits of the Stanley, you will see that it works remarkably well very early on and when they started doing it they were just using you know like apple earbud 
headphones. Um, and then over the years, they moved on to uh, higher quality noise isolating headphones. Uh, they incorporated a blindfold for the listener so that you're basically, as the listener, you are fully removed from external stimuli other than like, you know, temperature and smell, touch. Um, but you, you're not receiving visual uh, input, input, mm-hmm. visual stimulus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not like you are sitting there watching your fellow investigators react react or ask questions. So there's no chance that you're going to be reading their lips. Um, And of course you cannot hear them when you are listening to the spirit box with headphones. It is headache inducing. Um, It's just, you, you are meant to turn it up so that it's loud enough that it's bordering on the point of too much um, but so that you absolutely cannot hear anything else, um, any noises above the noise of the spirit box. And you really do just kind of go into this trance state. Um, there's like kind of a rhythm to the spirit box. And so you just get into the rhythm of it and you just say whatever you hear. Uh, And then, of course, your teammates or whoever is asking questions. And a lot of the times, shit lines up. Right. Like, you are having a conversation. And it's wild. It's really fucking wild (laughs) when it works out. Right. We'll um, play a clip where recently we were at the... San Antonio Paranormal Fest. Mm-hmm. And we we were there with Austin Seance. We got to meet up with them. And they lent us their uh, spirit cabinet, which they conduct seances in. Yeah. So this is a small cabinet with just room for a chair inside. And it's been used in over 300 sittings, according to them. So Brittany and I... Um, we did a little less session where I sat inside and was the listener and Brittany was outside as the, the questioner. And I would just say, keep in mind that like in this clip, Brittany is asking the questions and I will answer. However, I cannot hear Brittany asking that question. I simply said what I heard at the time. How many... People are trying to speak with Megan now. 22. Okay, that's a lot. Uh, maybe let's limit it to two. Form a cue. Also. It's six. Okay. It's And now three. Okay, good. When you're having results like what you heard in that clip, and it really does feel like you are having a back and forth conversation, it's 
like there's nothing else like it. It's it is that instant gratification that you get from listening to the S box or listening to a spirit box, you know, just over a speaker in an open room, but you feel like you trust it more. Right. Yeah. Because you're not constantly fighting that confirmation bias. Yeah. I don't want to say for obvious reasons, because maybe it's not obvious. Maybe this is something like you have to do it or see it being done or really i feel like you you have to do it to fully appreciate and you have to do both parts you have to be the listener just to know what it's like to listen to this constant droning noise and then hear shit come through and afterwards you know the people who are asking questions are telling you like yeah no we we asked this like we asked for the name of whoever and you said maria right or whatever's going on and just in the opposite sense when you are the questioner and it's like someone is responding to what you're saying and it's not just yes or no right it's like you're getting multiple words full-on sentences sometimes and they're relevant to your questions i'm reminded of that time at at uh, pioneer farms when i had the headphones on and i was listening and i think you guys had asked um do you have any messages yeah and i said yeah tell jason to call me yeah That's exactly what I heard. Tell J, yeah, tell Jason to call me. Yeah, and it was just like that. It was like it sounded like some guy who was annoyed. Like, right. Tell Jason to call me. Tell that motherfucker to call me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've seen a meme going. <laughs> I've seen a meme going around that's like, how come ghosts always say some old timey stuff right like, you never hear a ghost from 2007 say it's britney bitch right i'm like but get on there I, and say what up <laughs> yeah right but we've heard yeah tell jason to call me yeah i mean there's there's um we'll talk about it in a future episode we're gonna do at least one episode about our time at pioneer farms yeah. we became very familiar with that place and Felt like we were definitely communicating with repeat right. spirits. Right. And um, that's kind of a big dream and goal of mine in general is to kind of have a location that we can visit frequently enough that the spirits there become familiar with us and then are more comfortable interacting with us and we can build up this repertoire. And I feel like we were getting there at Pioneer Farms and uh, we were definitely communicating with a spirit, at least one who was from a more modern time period. Like I would say at least 1980s. Yeah. If not, you know, later. When I was in that session and I heard that, tell Jason to call me, 
I was thinking like I know exactly what this guy looks like. He's got <laughs> he's got like bleach blonde short hair. He's got black roots because it's it's growing out, and he's right. wearing a sublime t shirt <laughs> and some basketball. Okay, we're shorts. never going back to Pioneer <laughs> Farms ever. I could see it in my head, like I was hearing, but I was also seeing. Yeah, and like. When you are in those headphones, it is like a trance. And I could just see this guy, like, in his basketball shorts and sublime shirt and Adidas flip-flops. Oh, God. Like, he was on an old-timey cell phone. Like, I say (laughs) old-timey, like a fucking crank cell phone. No, it was like, you know, a 1990s flip. Nokia. The the Razor. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And he was like, he was mad. Yeah. So, I mean... It's not out of the ordinary to also just kind of have visions in your mind yeah. while you're hearing this stuff. And maybe it's because you were in a state of sensory deprivation. It's mm-hmm. not just that uh, you have headphones on. I mean, you can't see. Right. You don't know what's going on around you. Right. Um, if you are comfortable in a chair, you feel kind of weightless because mm-hmm. nothing is moving mm-hmm. and... You know, you are just, your muscles become completely relaxed. So it is a little more going on there than just listening to a radio. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we wanted to talk about Estes pretty early on because, honestly, you're going to hear us talk about doing Estes in every investigation. Yeah. Literally every every investigation that we do, we... Are doing Estes? Yeah, we're not we're not big on the the light up sensors, right? Equipment, flashy noise making toys. Yeah, we. But this is this is one that we'll do anywhere. Traditionally, you need two people to pull this off. You need a listener and an asker. Um, but you know, we've had ideas of like just dialing up a friend on Facetime, you know, to yeah. ask the questions right. if you're all alone or to write them down ahead of time on a piece of paper and like do spirits read do they have right. to do they have ears to listen can right. we just is it easier for them to read the questions right like, on a piece of paper versus hearing it audibly right so we thought hey maybe we can just set out a poster board with a question on right. it and yeah and receive the answer yeah well, and then we did Estes on the plane. Yeah, we did Estes on an airplane. To Michigan, <laughs> and it was good. So we were sitting side by side on the plane, and um, Megan, before we even left for this trip, was like, we're going to do Estes on the plane. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Um, I didn't even know uh, how the radio was going to work on a plane. Because yeah. I know you're, you're in the atmosphere. You're very far, 30,000 feet up. AM radio bounces off the atmosphere but fm is pretty much ground waves so but we, i mean we got fm too yeah 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 but essentially um you know we didn't want to disturb the rest of the uh why do i want to say customers i mean <laughs> well, they that's are what they are the 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 other uh plane riders whatever Passengers. okay thank you <laughs> i know words it's just hard sometimes. The other passengers by, you know, asking strange questions and, uh, are you, well, how did you die? <laughs> Why are you floating in the air right now? So basically, um, whoever the questioner was would type 
questions out on their phone, not letting the other person see. Right. And then whoever was listening would type on their phone what they were hearing. And so, you know, I would be able to look at Megan's phone, see what words she was typing and while I was asking questions. And the, we were getting relevant answers. And, of course, I was mentally um, asking the questions and typing them out. So, you know, maybe something was reading my mind, essentially. Yeah. Or um, reading them on my phone as I was typing them out. Who knows? But yeah. we absolutely got some relevant answers. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about Estes, and that's this is my only criticism, is that if I'm the listener and I say, Michael, I know in my heart of hearts the next question that my friends who I cannot hear are going to ask is, are you Michael? Or who is Michael? Right. Or Michael, what's your last name? Right. They're going to ask about Michael. Yeah. So there is a little bit of bias there. Right. Because the next question that they ask, I'm going to have a good idea of what it is. Yeah. So the next thing I hear is going to be biased towards right. what I believe the question is. I feel like that is especially true with numbers. Yeah. Because you know if you hear a number, the person is going to ask, okay, is that your age? Right. Is that a year? Right. And, you know, in our clip that we played, that is also, that surprised me. Mm -hmm. When I heard 22 mm -hmm. and now 6 mm -hmm. and now 3. It was just, it's not something you usually hear. Well, it's very strange to get so many numbers in a right, row. Right. And just, like, I didn't hear that all in one breath. Right. You know, I'm doing air quotes around breath, but that wasn't all in just one moment. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it was strung along in a way that makes sense mm -hmm. is even more anomalous. Right. So we wanted to talk about one of our uh, projects that we did in the past uh, on our website. It's called Say Hi to Blaze. Really, I mean, to talk about this this whole thing, we have to go back to September of 2020. Right. And that is a time when I just had all of these weird thoughts in my head, like, you don't have to go to a haunted location to be a ghost hunter or a paranormal investigator. You can just do that, you know, wherever. Right. And carry those tools with you always. So I had just um, finished watching the Blaze Foley documentary mm -hmm. called Blaze by, uh, it was directed by Ethan Hawke. And I knew Blaze was from Austin or he, he died in Austin mm -hmm. and he got famous. Uh, no. Er, edit. He never got famous. <laughs> Leave that in. But he ran, you know, with like uh, Towns Van Zant, who right. was also another awesome country music spirit animal. Yeah. Uh, so he had this kind of just like the punk rock of country folk music life. I was really um, drawn to the scene at the end where he is shot. Uh, sorry, spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, he shot you know, at his friend's house. Mm -hmm. 
and he kind of just stumbles out of the door and he dies in the front yard. And it got me to thinking, like, I should look up the old police report or any news articles about this online. And, you know, I found out that, you know, that house is is located just one block behind Bolden Creek Restaurant on West Mary Street. So I said, hey, I should just get my my recorder out there and drive up to the house uh, and do some EVPs at the curb because the house is actually someone lives there. Mm-hmm. And I am certain that they, over the years, have had plenty of people come by and right. want to, you know, see the house right. or whatever. So even on Google Maps, the house is labeled uh, Blaze Foley House. I wanted to be respectful of the person living there now. So I did not breach the curb. So I just pulled up out yeah. front and parked and, you know, just said, you know, hey, how you doing? Just had a really casual, one-sided conversation. I didn't even try to re- like rewind and listen mm-hmm. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I did have a thing like a I had like a K two meter with me in the car, right? And I would flicker every once in a while, but ultimately I didn't get anything that I expected to get. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a bust. But I did go back there. I think one more time. And then in December of that year, December 2020, there was a rash of reports of people reporting loud bangs, like booms. Oh, And everybody was like, oh, it's fireworks. You know, New Year's is coming up. Mm -hmm. They're testing fireworks. Other people were like, oh, it's Elon Musk building the (laughs) Giga Power, whatever, the the Giga, whatever it's called. And then there were people who were just like, I heard one and there was no flash in the sky. Right. And so the ones that (laughs) I was cruising Reddit for these comments, like pretty regularly at the time and messaging people like, hey, you seen anything weird? You heard anything weird going on? You know, Um, just kind of soliciting people for weird shit. Yeah. But a lot of them were coming from that area. So I was like, well, there's really no stuff over here where fireworks are going to be going on. Yeah, right. At any rate, I did return there that one time just to park outside and it was a bust. But, uh, you know, flash forward a year and I'm scrolling through Facebook, you know, Um, I see a friend of mine has posted a link to just a zine called the consecrated and canonical draconian clipothic prayer book to God, God and the dark Lord Shaitan derived from Arab Zarak. So don't be stunned folks. She had to read that from the cover of the zine. She didn't have that memorized. (laughs) Um, During that time I had been collecting zines because my dream is once this COVID shit is over to open up a zine library in my home, which I, it would be the second zine library I've opened in a home, but um, the first one was not my home, <laughs> my friend's home. So I was just kind of um, stacking up on zines here and there, wherever I could find them. If I saw somebody had a zine out, I was like, I want that. Mm-hmm. So now I have a stack of zines yeah. and nowhere to nobody to look at them. But um, that one had such a crazy name. And 
you know, the person that was sharing the the Facebook post of somebody I trust. So I did not know the author of the zine. I just knew the person who was sharing it for them. Mm-hmm. So I noticed it was also in Sweden. So I knew I wasn't going to get it for a while. But right. I, I immediately went to the website, add to cart, check out. I didn't look at anything else. I was like, I just want your zine. Um, uh, you know, three months later, here it is in my in my mail. And the envelope is a little, it's thicker than I thought it would be. And I think there was some joke on the customs label. It said like, you know, the declaration, the customs label says declaration of, right. of what it contains. Right. And it just said literature. And then in parentheses, it said, you need some. <laughs> so I don't know if that was to me or to the person reading right. the the. The label the in postal the postal yeah, worker. Right, exactly. Get some literature. Right. Uh, but I opened it and it was just kind of stuffed full. It it, it had two copies of the zine mm-hmm. and a letter. Oh, it had a little envelope, Prayer to Crush Your Enemies. It's a sealed envelope. I have not opened it, so I'm not, I don't have any <gasps> you, enemies oh, to crush Oh, you like right now. still haven't opened no. it. Oh. No, I, I won't open that until I have an enemy. Uh-oh. Uh, so. If anyone wants to challenge Megan become her mortal enemy so I'm she can bust open this envelope I, i'm easy to piss Email off us I'm at very info forgiving. at com. <laughs> so that was in there two copies of the zine and just a note that said blaze foley and then his plot number in the live oak cemetery right and i was like what is this from sweden you know this zine from sweden has a note to blaze foley in it and i'm like okay i just had like a what the fuck moment i had to stand still and just compose myself because it would it just seemed so out of the ordinary right it was just completely out of place very surreal yeah yeah the the first thing i did uh was message Brittany. (laughs) like oh my god i remember yeah i was like I'm having a moment, Brittany, because what the fuck is this? Yeah. And well, because I didn't know about the um about you going to the Blaze Foley house yeah. before this. Like that was your like kind of personal little project that you had done. And so I wasn't a part of that. So I didn't know like the gravity of uh this situation. But when you explained it to me and like you sent me pictures of you know, the zine and the notes. Um, it, it was evident pretty quickly, like, this was a big, like, holy shit right. moment. Yeah. It was um, It was strange because at, begin- at the beginning, it just seemed like this letter, which was taped shut to Blaze, was just, you know, somebody just put it in there for what... It- I didn't know what the reason was, but right. I knew it wasn't addressed to me, so right. I wasn't going to open it. Uh, but then I looked into the zines, and there was a piece of paper tucked into one of the zines, and it- that wasn't obvious at first. Mm-hmm. So I had, like, a full-blown, like, holy shit kind of <laughs> moment. And then I was like, oh, here's a letter explaining. <laughs> but you know what? I don't even think it was until the next day right. that I found the letter. Uh, so it says, you know, Sister Megan... It's been a while since I visited the beautiful city of Austin. I had the pleasure to see the bats under the bridge. <laughs> this, is, this is a fellow from Sweden. That is written in casual handwriting. Right. And then in all capitals, <laughs> in, <laughs> in print. 
If you ever pass Live Oak Cemetery, please drop my note at Section D, Plot 166. Have a great day, John. So this guy in Sweden knew who Blaze Foley was. Right. Saw that I had an Austin address. Right. Wrote a letter to Blaze Foley and he then said, just... This is my opportunity. Just random ass girl right. in Austin, Texas. Because she's in Austin, She, you know. Yeah. Just like, it's like everybody here knows who Blaze Foley is, right? Right, right. But, but the, the funny part is, is that this letter came exactly to the person who yeah. would be the best. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind, there is no other Austinite that is would be even interested in doing right, this right. to, you know, to drive this letter out to Live Oak Cemetery, which is by Austin standards in BFE. I mean, it's, right. it's so, so far South. It's almost Buda. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> it just, I was still in shock. So this person, I don't know them, but I immediately got on the Facebook and mm-hmm. looked up John, you know, let me find this fella. Right. It was easy to find because we have a ton of friends in common. Uh, but, I mean, as it turns out, um, he was in a band and he played a festival called Chaos and Tejas that stopped happening. <laughs> that sounds fucking amazing. I, oh, my God. Chaos and Tejas was so great. <laughs> it was like, you know, three days, a weekend of nothing but stinky crust punks. Um <laughs> Okay, it's sounding records. less amazing okay. right now, but I'm still, <laughs> I mean, nobody's I'm still in. It's in the middle of summer. Nobody's <laughs> showering. You know, people are sleeping where they can. Um, Chaos and Chaos was legendary, and then it stopped happening because it was just, that was such a change happening in Austin at mm-hmm. the time, and clubs were going out of business. A lot was changing in Austin with how people book shows, and it kind of faded into oblivion. So... Not too long after that, here we are, like, Brittany and I thinking, we could turn this into, you know, an investigation. Mm -hmm. Megan already has some uh, experience trying to talk to Blaze, and I was just like, you know, I want to do it again. So we figured out where the cemetery was and Mm -hmm. headed that way. You know, we had a, a bag full of ghost hunting equipment, our letter that we were to leave there, and we did some research on... On the grave itself, so it's it's pretty unassuming. It's just a granite slab yeah. on the ground. It's right. n- it's not an upright tombstone. It was a little hard to find, even though we had like yeah the section and the plot number and everything. Yeah, I I looked at the map wrong or something like that. It was just off, and we had to drive forward and then drive back and then drive forward. <laughs> well, and- we ended up parking like way far away <laughs> from where we were. We're supposed to be, and we're walking around looking for it. And uh, the day that we did this, it was well, it was beginning of July, so uh, that is devil's asshole season <laughs> in Texas. Um, and it was aptly humid and muggy, and it was like misting rain a little bit, but it was no relief from the heat whatsoever, right. So we're walking through this cemetery and getting misted on and walking in mud and trying to find this uh, this gravestone, headstone, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So we get to the grave marker. Yeah. Well, first we went to the Blaze Foley house. 
we went and had lunch earlier that day um, and went and sat outside uh, the Blaze Foley house again. And we used ghost radio. I think we had like three devices running ghost radio, <laughs> uh, which is pretty normal for us. And um, we didn't get anything. I was looking earlier today back at my uh, results and there wasn't really anything stand out. I think the only thing um, I ended up getting cruel, the word cruel and then kid. And it made me think of the son who shot blaze. I don't even remember how old he was. I mean, he was a young adult man, yeah, but definitely younger than blaze by a couple of years. So it just made me think like, this is probably the impression that Blaze had of this guy, that he was just a cruel, mean kid. Yeah. Cruel to his dad. I mean, that's... Um, they argued over right. uh, money. Like, uh, the father was getting a disability or mm-hmm. some kind of government assistance He was getting, check. like, a veteran's pension check. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And they argued over his son, Taking the money, basically. Right. The son and Blaze argued yeah. over the son taking his his dad's pension checks. And so they they ended up like they were arguing out on the porch. They moved into the house and the son essentially pulled a gun on Blaze and yeah. shot him. He he claimed it was um self defense right. and he was acquitted. It, they ruled that it was self-defense. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he shot Blaze in the stomach. Mm. Right? Yeah. And so Blaze didn't die instantly. He ended up, like, stumbling out of the house and um, a couple of yards into the front yard and fell down in the yard. And uh, he was conscious until the paramedics. Yeah. Or, yeah, until yeah. the police got there, even. Um but then I think he died in transit to the hospital. Yeah. Or shortly or he after was they arrived. Pronounced dead right. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. There's some really great stories about his his death though and mm-hmm. his funeral after. Mm-hmm. If you watch the movie Blaze, the documentary Blaze, it's a movie. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. Fictionalized. Watch it. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Watch it. Um, you know, they have a part where they talk about they duct taped his yeah his casket closed right. and there's an especially good story about how Towns Van Zant went and dug up the coffin to get a pawn ticket out of Blaze's jacket to get his guitar back because Blaze had borrowed Towns' guitar and then pawned it, <laughs> so he was needed to get it back out of the pawn shop. So he had to dig up the grave to get the ticket. I don't think that's true. <laughs> But Towns Van Zandt was a storyteller like that, too. So, yeah, just some really great lore about how when they had the funeral, nobody could get there because they couldn't afford a police escort. Um, So they just went to the cemetery. And this was before GPS, well before GPS. Nobody knew how to get there because it's so south of everything in Austin. And it's not like... It's on little little country back roads. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's not really any landmarks nearby. So, yeah, I, I can imagine 
it would be very hard to find. Yeah. They lost half the right. half the people, supposedly. So yeah, it's just it's a great story. I mean, after the house we went to the cemetery. Mm-hmm. It was probably a 20-minute drive. Yeah. Yeah. We listened to Blaze Foley in the car the whole time. Yeah. My brilliant idea. Because <laughs> I drove. Yeah. So, you know, when we got there, it was hard. It was hard to find the grave. Mm-hmm. Sort of in the back and off to one side. But once you do find it, it's hard to mistake because there's just people have left. Little trinkets and beers right. and open beers and trash and cigarettes, cigarettes, cigarettes and yeah. cigarette butts. Yeah. And <laughs> we cleaned yeah, it up a little bit. We did clean it up a little bit. It's like it's not, um, there was a lot of stuff left there. Yeah. But it was all like offerings and tribute. Like, right. you know, we say empty beer cans and full beer cans and cigarette butts, but it wasn't just like people throwing their trash on the ground. Right. These were offerings trash with a purpose yeah right and there were little toys and stuff right little statues of animals or whatever so but we did kind of like you know pull the weeds back and yeah dust it off a little bit and uh we left our friend john's notes right and snapped a few pictures yeah just for the heck of it i threw down some runes to see Oh, that's right. Yeah. So the the runes that we got were Burkana, Hagalaz, and Othala. I get Burkana so much. It's like um it literally means like pregnancy, but it's the sh- the rune itself is the shape of a pregnant woman, like breasts and a belly. Uh it looks like a bee. Mm-hmm. But um I took that to mean I always take that to mean as like something is going to be bountiful soon hopefully before nine months but (laughs) (laughs) but if it's if the belly is that big it's pretty it's gonna be soon yeah and then hagalaz is people take it to mean as like chaos like everything's gonna get thrown into chaos um but usually uh, i take that when mixed with other runes to mean an opportunity is Mm -hmm. going to present itself and it's it's not going to be apparent it may be an opportunity that you have to take at an exact time, right. like as well, you have a clear view of something. Something outside of the routine. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then um, Othala is like, kind of the mundane meaning of it is like p- property, like ancestral property, things you inherit. Mm-hmm. But it's not, you know, when you, you think about it in an archetypal terms, it's not furniture or money. <laughs> It's the things that you learn, the things right. that Tradition. are kind of, yeah, traditions yeah. and things that are kind of embedded uh, in you from your mm-hmm. ancestors. So I don't know what to make of that. I don't think that it's complete yet. Like, I don't know at what point in that reading we were when right. we were standing there. Right. And maybe even what point we're at in it now, mm-hmm. because I feel like we still need to tie up this this project. Yeah. So... Maybe we should just go back out there. Uh, What time is it? (laughs) (laughs) Saturday night, we're just going to go to the cemetery. Talk to Blaze Foley. It's a pretty well-maintained cemetery, and they probably have the gates closed. Probably. The funny thing is, is like, this cemetery is right up against a... A pasture, I guess, where Mm -hmm. all of these longhorns were grazing. Yeah, it was weird. 
I think after, um, like, you did the runes, we basically went back to the car. Because it started raining. Yeah, it was coming down a little, little heavier. And we decided, I think before we even went out there, that we wanted to try a dual Estes session, which is something we've been, like, talking about and wanting to do for a while. And... You had finally gotten an SB11 spirit box, and it has, you can probably explain the technical shizzle-wizzle much better (laughs) than I can. So it's just like a spirit box that has two radios inside. Uh, You can set them to AM or FM. You can set them to AM or FM for use of the antenna or not, so you can... Set it to not use the antenna if you don't want to. So one side can be AM, one side can be FM, one side could they or they can both be AM or both be FM mm-hmm. or any co- combination of that. Uh, they can scan through the spectrum front ways, forward ways, incrementing or deincrementing. Um, I don't remember how we had it set up. I don't remember either, but um. At any rate, Brittany and I are sitting in a car and we both have noise-isolating headphones on so we can't hear each other. Right. We didn't have anybody to ask questions. So I feel like, were we just listening or... Yeah, we were both just listening and spitting out whatever we heard. So we had to have a recorder going. Right. An audio recorder. I think uh, we did set an intention before we got started, you know, saying, we're here to talk to Blaze Foley there's right. anybody else here but out yeah you know what we're not interested in you okay <laughs> we're here we to were talk very to nice sorry we nice, you know i mean you go to an apartment building you don't knock on everybody's door <laughs> <laughs> you know? nobody wants to talk to you in the lobby right yeah so yeah we made it clear you got some interesting results um, yeah um it was there was a a good bit of back and well, I don't want to say back and forth because nothing from what I remember really seemed like we were having a conversation. Right. But we were both getting a lot of words. Right. And with Estes, sometimes it's hit or miss. Like sometimes you just have stuff coming through nonstop. Um, and then other places you go you get nothing. Right. Uh, so this was good. And this was also the first time we had used the SB11 spirit box. We've used some other ones uh, in the past. So it was nice to have a good experience with this one straight from the get-go. Yeah. I think we had Ghost Radio running while we were doing that, We did, too. yeah. I think we both had Ghost Radio <laughs> running on our phones, and we were both plugged into Estes, so there was a lot of words being spit a out lot of words. in this car. Um, I did look at the transcript afterwards to see if there was anything significant but it was just kind of all over the place yeah but you did hear fuller 
Yeah, so I have this very bad habit when I am the listener during Estes is that I don't just let myself like trance out and get into it and be fully unbiased and say whatever I hear. I am still constantly running everything I hear through my own internal filter and thinking, okay, was is that what I really heard or was that just a radio station clip or should I say that or did it sound more like this or more like this? And so then by the time I have run whatever I heard through this 20 questions game in my head and decide, okay, yeah, I should say that, you know, it's 30 seconds later and I'm like, well, now it's not relevant anymore. It's fully beyond the point. So I'm just going to move on to And meanwhile, you're hearing new stuff in your ear that you got to keep up with. Exactly. So during our dual Estes session, I very clearly heard in a deep man's voice, Fuller, the name Fuller, come across. I ran this through my 20 questions filter (laughs) and did not say it out loud. So there's no um, documentation of it on the recorder. Brittany didn't know at the time that Blaze Foley's real name is actually Michael David Fuller. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So part of, you know, the 20 questions that I did when I heard Fuller come through was I thought, oh, well, maybe it was Foley. Because, you know, Blaze Foley is who we're talking to. <laughs> so, you know, then I'm like, well, it's beyond the point. So I wish you can't would say just it out loud now. Out. Yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah. Well, because we discussed it in the car afterwards. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I very clearly heard Fuller come through in this deep man's voice. And you were like, well, you know, his real last <laughs> name is Fuller, right? <laughs> And I had heard David, too. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. you heard David. Yeah. So so. I'm like, was it Blaze or was it just some, like, you know, Joe Blow next door? Right. You know, in the grave next door. Like, hey, you were looking for Michael David Fuller? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Blaze is not home, man. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing that I heard come through pretty clearly that, again, I didn't fucking say it out loud (laughs) because, just because... Um, it sounded like a man said something like, uh, can you even hear me on this radio or are you even hearing me on this radio? And, um, I was like, oh shit. Like we've been listening to blaze on the car radio all day or, you know, since we started our little day adventure. Um, and two, we were using this radio device right to try and talk to whoever right preferably blaze foley but <laughs> who the fuck ever wanted to use it and for whatever reason my brain filter was like that's not what you heard don't say that out loud <laughs> but we talked about it afterwards and didn't he, didn't we also hear something like good for music something about music i don't remember mm been too long yeah it's been too long yeah i think we have to go back we should definitely we go, have back. To go back Kate. yeah we At should least definitely to, go back to you know put it to rest or right. or whatever 
I bet John would like to hear too, because after we completed this, I came home and emailed our new Swedish friend, John, and he was just like, could not believe, first of all, that um, we were going to do it. Yeah, and then, actually deliver his note. Right. I had snapped a few pictures, and I'll put those up on the website yeah, on yeah, uh, yeah. www.weirdatx.com. Um, but, I mean, he was just surprised um, that we had even gone down there to mm-hmm. do this, and he's not like into the paranormal stuff like we are. So I don't know if he was fully appreciative of the fact that we had just actually tried to talk to Blaze fully. Right. Even though he's dead, you know. So, you know, I think John would probably like an update, even, yeah. if, uh, even if to know whether or not his letter is still there. Right. Because, you know, his letter had a nice, cute little pentagram on it. And I'm like, well, in Texas, uh, <laughs> Austin's pretty cool, liberal city, but in Texas, yeah, it might not be around for long. Right. So, um, but, you know, one of the cool things, just to go back. Um, I had put that letter on his gravestone, mm-hmm. and it had started to rain. And you could see, like, the ink from the top fold of the paper uh, running and kind of melting into mm-hmm. the next fold, and it was all coming out of the bottom. And I was, like, thinking, literally, these words are probably no longer readable anymore, but they're going... To the ground. They're going literally to Blaze Foley. Right. Through the ground. And, you know, who, who knows if the ink ever got there through the through the casket and the duct tape. Six but, feet down. Right. Through I just thought the it, duct tape. <laughs> I just thought it was a, uh, just a kind of poignant, poignant, you know, physical yeah. representation yeah. of the word right. going to Blaze. So... That was that was nice to witness. Yeah. So that is really the end of that story. We have uh, some ties to tie up there, some loose ends to tie mm-hmm. up. So maybe we'll have a an episode two an, about an what update. happens there. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Weird Paranormal Podcast. Check us out online at www.weirdatx.com, where you can read more about our current projects, see pictures related to this episode, or drop us some interpersonal communications. Also, if you enjoy listening to us on Apple Podcasts, a five-star review would be appreciated. It may sound lame, but it really does help us out. Thanks, y'all. Bye now.